Money FM 89.3. Best of drive time. Money FM 89.3. Good evening. It is now time for Market View. I'm Elliot Danker together with Chua Tian Tian. When the big boss cancels all his trips and heads home to solve problems, you know it's about to get real. We'll talk about U.S. President Joe Biden in just a while. For now, Tian Tian, let's uh, get a recap of how we started the day. Right, so Singapore stocks down this morning, tracking overnight losses around the world. Uh, no guesses as to what's driving markets, that US debt ceiling issue there. But in early trade, the Straits Times Index was down 0.3% to 3,205 points after 69 million securities changed hands in the broader market. Now let's take a look at the closing numbers. The benchmark STI closed down 1.25% at 3,173 points. In terms of value turnover, we are looking at 1.29 billion Sing dollars. Now gainers Trilled losers 227 versus 341. Top advances, Kongguan, Jardin Psycho and Carriage and Cortina. And top decliners, GMHUSD, UOB and DBS. Now in terms of companies to watch, SIA continues to fly high. Now the group posted its highest full-year net profit in its 76-year history to $2.2 billion for FY 2022-23. And that's to be compared against a net loss of some 9 $162 million in FY 2021-22. And elsewhere, unease over the slow progress of U.S. debt talks further dampened sentiment in Asian markets today. Now with U.S. President Joe Biden scrapping stops in Papua New Guinea and Australia after attending the G7 summit, how concerned should we be? So let's unpack all of these with Carmen Lee, head of OCBC Investment Research. Carmen, welcome to the show. Thank you. And Carmen, let's start with the Singapore stock market as usual. How did the STI fare today? Okay, as you rightly pointed out, it was down 40 points, which is quite significant. Uh, but mm. no surprises here with the U.S. market closing down. You look at the U.S. market, uh, both the Dow and the S&P 500 were both down as well. And, and that's largely because we're concerned over whether if a deal can be struck for the U.S. debt ceiling. And until that is settled, I think the market is still likely to see uh, quite a fair bit of volatility uh, heading towards the June period. Uh, our view of this is the fact that a default is quite unlikely. But having said that, I think that will continue to be the uh, driver for the next coming uh, days. Uh, oh, in Singapore, quite interesting. Uh, as you rightly pointed out, SIA delivered one of the strongest uh, set of results. And more importantly, the stock finally closed above $6. <laughs> I mean, it was trading below $6 ever since the crisis hit. So this is a very good level. But having said that, actually, uh, there are two other stocks inside SIA that actually reached 52-week high, and that's uh, SCI and Delphi. So if you recall last week when I was here, I actually said that SCI seems to be unstoppable. And by then, it was already up almost close to 40%. And this week, with more gains, the stock is actually up 45% year-to-date. So, in fact, intraday, it actually reached as high as $4.89. So, looks like it's in the right space and investors seem to still like this stock. So, um, this is... But having said that, three stocks reached 52 week highs, but 12 stocks reached 52 week lows. So, oh. But those are largely actually in the technology space and include Aztec, Fuyu, Micromechanics, etc. Yeah, we're seeing the steam as far as uh, the technology space is concerned, not just here in Singapore, but around the world as well. Uh, but Carmen, uh, focusing on the positive side, uh, were there any surprises as far as the biggest movers were concerned? 
Okay, I think SIA is the story of the day. Yeah. Very strong yeah. set of results, <laughs> finally, after uh, you no know, losses and all that. And so, um, again, it came in way better than market expectation. Market was going for about 2.08 billion. It came in at 2.16 billion, and that was quite, uh, mm. quite an important indicator. But I think more interestingly is the fact that it actually guided for stronger demand for the June quarter. And this will be uh, driven by East Asia. Uh, again, here, yeah, no surprises. You know, we've been doing a lot of uh, revenge traveling yeah. to see Sakura and to enjoy the nice spring weather up in the North Asia. <laughs> So, it's, it's again no surprises that these three markets are the most important. That is, um, they are Japan, China, as well as uh, South Korea. So, mm-hmm. apart from that, actually, SI also guided the fact that it possibly increased capacity. And if it does, this could provide some uh, upside surprises in the coming quarters. And we feel that one of the likely areas will be from China, which has actually really yet to ramp up. Uh, another positive for SIA is, of course, the fact that uh, falling fuel prices is actually very positive for the company. So if you recall last year, uh, there was a period when actually oil prices traded as high as almost $120. But mm. if you look at oil prices now, it's only US $70. So effectively, it's come off 42%. So this is a company whereby you're seeing much better revenue. Bookings ahead are actually very strong. And yet, yeah. on the cost side, it's actually seeing low. However... If you're looking for cheap airfare in the coming months, don't count on it. It's not happening. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Confirm now, and yeah. <laughs> yeah, travel is still very strong. So I think for I mean people who are looking to travel and buying cheap tickets, I think those days are over for now. Mm. But that being said, Carmen, we are looking at a low base. Uh, if we look at the year ago period where your borders just reopened. Uh, you are saying that the fundamentals are still strong. Is that right to understand it that way? I think in terms of SIA, uh, I think for this uh, coming year itself, it's actually quite possible. I mean, revenue is definitely going to be much better. And then they can also increase their capacity as well. So in terms of capacity, it's only now only about close to 80% of its uh, pre-COVID level. Mm-hmm. So you can see that actually if we ramp up to COVID level, which is another 20% more to go, you can actually expect the fact that that will actually translate into much better numbers for the group. Mm. Uh, we're on the line right now with Carmen Lee, head of OCBC Investment research. Um, Taking a look at some headlines around the wall, AI continues to make the news today. Energy giant Shell says it will use artificial intelligence-based technology from big data analytics firm Spark Cognition in its deep sea exploration and production to boost offshore oil output. Um, It was said that the new process can shorten explorations from nine months to less than, what, nine days? So the computer is going to tell us where to go find oil. How do you think this is going to reshape the entire industry? (laughs) Okay, it's interesting you mentioned Shell. And if you follow Shell, you know that it's actually more than a century-old company. And even a company that is so old, it's keen to deploy AI to boost its production and this actually goes to show the wide-ranging application for AI. And more surprisingly, I think a lot of companies are actually tapping on big data to actually use yeah. it effectively to try to manage their businesses, effectively lowering costs and hopefully increase the output, right? Uh, some of the traditional industries such as banking, insurance, forestry, and all, they've already been using uh, AI to actually improve the efficacy and efficiency of their companies. But having said that, I think the recent trend is actually more interesting. That's when you talk about the generative AI, right? Yeah. Whereby actually this this these models are actually able to learn. And of course, when they structure the, the products that come out, they actually create very new, interesting content. And I think this will have very uh, strong appeal for the creative industry. I mean, creative industry as in like maybe that's interior design, yeah. music, you know, the lyrics, writing, etc. So if, for example, if you want to compose a song and you want to follow it in the style of, let's say, Taylor Street or something like that, now it's a possibility because the, the, the internet is able to comb through the whole uh, genre and actually figure out for you how to do this. So, 
I think that uh, one of the key industries that perhaps could benefit from this would be maybe perhaps in a more artistic, creative yeah. space. Yeah. yeah. Stand by, I'm going to release my rap song soon. Carmen, we're seeing AI almost everywhere from, uh, you know, things like maritime to oil and gas. Could firms be over-promising on AI at this point in time? I think, of course, a lot of, uh, a lot of companies are counting on AI to be the key drivers for them. And I think that's, that's actually think about maybe like 20 years ago in terms of internet. When it first came yeah. out, there were a lot of skepticism and everything. Mm. But, you know, it's a mega trend that's here to stay. I think similarly with the AI industry, you know, that it's here to stay. It's just that during the early days, there'll be a lot of uh, doubters and also maybe some of the more active people will be uh, actually going for it. So, again, it's, a, it's an evolving industry. And I think that uh, if it's rightly deployed, of course, there are also a lot of uh, people using data for the wrong reason. Mm. So, if it's rightly deployed, I think that uh, the potential of this is there for big companies and even small companies to benefit from it. Hopefully, it doesn't go in the wrong hand and get to be used for all the wrong industry as well. Mm. And elsewhere, uh, Carmen, let's uh, take a broader view of what's going on around the world. The UN projects global economic growth to be at 2.3% in 2023, and that's up 0.4 percentage points from a January forecast. Now, the prediction for 2024, though, has dropped 0.2 percentage points to 2.5%. How would you read into these numbers? Okay, I think at 2.3%, I think what is very worrisome is obviously the fact that this is actually lower than last year mm. and also lower, lower than the two-decade average growth of about 3.1%. Mm. So if you look at the whole global environment now, obviously it's about high uh, inflation. Uh, the debt situation is also causing quite a lot of concern, especially for developed countries. And also uh, economic growth prospect for some of the other regions are actually quite weak. So this will continue to be a drag in terms of the uh, outlook. Uh, and if you look further into the numbers, in fact, the US is only projected to go one. 1%. The EU is 0.9%. Mm. The one country that's holding up uh, the whole region is perhaps China, which is projected mm. to grow at 5.3%. So you have two or three major developed nations actually showing very, showing very weak growth. Mm. Then the prospect is more, more of a concern of a very prolonged sort of slowdown. I think uh. everyone expects a slowdown, but do you want to see a very prolonged period of slowdown? If that happens, then I guess that's very worrisome. Mm. And finally, before we let you go, Carmen, this is one question that we post to uh, almost everyone on our show for the past uh, one to two weeks. U.S. President Joe Biden, now he has cancelled a visit to Australia and Papua New Guinea to deal with domestic issues, namely that U.S. debt ceiling deadlock. Uh, what does this suggest about the state of the matter right now? Or is this just a show with some private phone calls already going on? I, I think that we've shared this a couple of times. I wanted to clear, clear impact is the track on market sentiment, which is, of course, we saw that last night in terms yeah. of the market action, right? So we feel that a large hit will be on the market sentiment. But I think most market participants are expecting that a resolution will happen. Mm. But the, the the possibility of not nothing happening is actually quite quite rare. Mm. But the thing is that what if the worst case scenario happens then they do not come to a conclu- uh, a resolution, then I guess the impact is going to be quite uh, wide-ranging as well and it can be quite scary because yeah. millions of jobs are on the line and of course you know you still have to pay all your um, federal workers etc and what about all the other uh, workers who are managing some of the key industries and all that. so that can actually have a very major triggering effect on in terms of the global slowdown. So we believe that because of the fact that a lot is at stake I think they are likely to come to the table and come to some kind of compromise or a res- res- resolution to the whole issue. But having said that, yeah. until that is clear, 
market is just going to be very volatile, unfortunately. <laughs> because you never know until it is, uh, you know, chopped and stamped and all, right? Exactly, yeah. yeah. Thanks a lot, Carmen. That was Carmen Lee, head of OCBC Investment Research. Thank you very much for joining us on Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.